afternoon and welcome to the Saturday Sports Show here on 102.9 CRCFM. Well, we are going to go straight over to John Mohan, the Offaly manager, who is over in O'Connor Park. John, a very good afternoon to you and many thanks for taking our call here on the Saturday Sports Show. You're welcome, Craving. How are you doing? Very good now. Thank you, John. And, well, it was a serious odyssey you had over in Offaly this year in terms of the progression through the leagues and, unfortunately, came aground against Kildare last weekend and it has at least been a successful and positive season for Offaly and many congratulations on that. Thank you, Creven. Yeah, look, uh, we were disappointed with the performance, would you believe, against Kildare. We... Uh, we certainly had chances, particularly in the first half. We went in the point down at half time. We should have been at four or five up. We missed a great goal chance. And then one of our midfielders missed a super goal chance in the second half. And had, I think had we got one of those, we could have... Uh, um, the, the upset was on the cards. But look, as you're right to say, it was a good season for Offaly. Promotion to Division 2 uh, was great. Yeah, we had a great victory here over Fermanagh to secure promotion. And uh, that certainly has given a, a boost to football here. A major success story for Offaly so far and it seems to be all going in the right direction for the county in terms of underage success as well. There seems to be real enthusiasm within the faithful county once again. Yeah, like I mean, I, 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 say, I, I grew up watching uh, um, the great Offaly teams in the 70s and the Walsh Islands. I was uh, in boarding school in Morse, not too far from, from Offaly and uh, I would have witnessed uh, all those great and wonderful players and obviously... Rejoice in their success, particularly that famous in the 82 one with the South Kerry going for the five in a row. And I had the privilege of playing with Sean Lowry and uh, I, I had the privilege of being on the pitch with Matt Connor. Uh, so I, I, I was, we were all very, very proud of a small dual county that just boxed above the weight back in the day. And uh, it was sad to see things suffer here in, in recent years, um, both hurlers and footballers. But thankfully, there is a little bit of progress uh, being made, or you know, the Offaly Miners were just beaten um, narrowly, I think, a point in fact last week uh, by Meath in an Leinster final. Uh, our Miners are playing here today, the Offaly Miners, that is. Now they're losing to Dublin 2 9 to 6 points, but they're, they've been brave. There was only a point or two in it at half time, and they've been, they've been exceptionally brave. So, yeah, the, the new chairman here is doing a very, very good job. Michael Dignan, he is uh, engaged with the clubs and the games development officers being appointed and with assistance of the Leinster Council in Crow Park. But that will augur well for the future. Now, this, things like this and, and gr- the growth and development of, of football and hurling doesn't, won't happen overnight. It's going to take a bit of time. But certainly the, the foundation has been installed. It was a real unfortunate sign, I suppose, the difference within the standard of league football that maybe showed between yourselves and Kildare in the end. How important will it be to be playing Division 2 football next year and your players getting to acclimatise to that standard? Yeah, I was just chatting to, to um, Declan Kelly, the offering under 20 manager. They had to go to victory over Wexford on, um, last uh, Thursday evening and they're playing Westmead next. And we're just talking about that very, very point. I think Westmead have a great chance of turning over Kildare. Uh, why do I think that? Because despite a, a poor Division 2 campaign for Westmead being relegated, and I know I haven't chatted to Martin Carney just this week and last, he was very, very impressed with Westmead in that one-point defeat uh, to, um, uh, to Mayo above him, uh, Cusick Park 1 in Gar. He was very, very impressed with them. And uh, so am I. I think uh, Westmead uh, have, uh, have benefited from playing in Division 2. And I would hope the same would apply for Offaly. That's like, I mean, playing against the, the Gawas, the Roscommons, and obviously the Corks and the Clares, you know, uh, um, would certainly uh, bring them on. No question about that. I mean, Offaly have to find a few players. There's five or six, I suppose, new players required for them to, to progress and to move on. And that can be a difficult in a small enough county, you know. Um, We've have uh, road have been the the the, uh, 
ambassadors in, in, in club football here. I think they've won about 12 or 13 county championships over the last 14. So you might argue, well, that's not it's not great and it's not healthy for the club scene because if you have a, a team so dominant, uh, where are the rest of the clubs and what kind of development is happening there? That has been a problem. So the standard and particularly in the lower levels, the intermediate and the junior levels in, in, in hurling and football has been quite poor in Offaly. So hopefully that will improve in time. But yeah, Offaly will improve playing the Division 2 football. It'll be a tough campaign for them, no question about it, but you would think that they're playing higher standards will certainly improve. And can I ask, John, if you'll be staying on to enjoy the exploits in Division 2 next year? I, I honestly don't know. You might ask the question, well, what, what, what am I doing up here today at a, at a, minor, um, a minor match in, in Tullamore? Uh, Actually, we're, we're meeting the senior squad for a kind of an end-of-season few drinks. A bit of a barbecue has been organised, and uh, I didn't make a... We never had the opportunity of sitting down with the boys for the last three years. In fact, two years ago, they had a bit of a, a bus tour at Christmas time, but for one reason or another, I couldn't uh, um, be with them on that occasion. But uh, I came up here to join them uh, today. So I haven't made a decision about my future, and I certainly won't be making it today. It's, uh, the driving is, is tough, Queen, and I find it very, very tough, to quite honest with you. Just in terms of Mayo's Connacht semi-final tomorrow afternoon, facing off against Leitrim, the team has been announced and uh, a surprise inclusion of Rory Byrne. Uh, great news for Castlebar Mitchells. You would have seen a lot of Rory playing goal for Castlebar. How can he uh, maybe show the rest of the county and Connacht just how good a goalkeeper he is uh, coming in to replace Robbie Henley? Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's an enforced uh, situation. Uh, I think uh, Robbie is out because of a either being a close contact or a, a, a positive case with COVID. So that's, it's been enforced. I thought Robbie should have got a, a bigger part, and I thought um, Rory should have got game time in the National League. There were certainly opportunities, particularly against Mead in, in a Kale Park. I, I, I thought, uh, you know, with seven substitutions, he should, he should have got game time because Mayo were comfortable winners in that particular game. As you might recall, Mead had seen seven or eight changes before the start. I thought, thought that would have been a great opportunity to give him some game time. So this is an enforced situation, I think, with Robbie uh, being unavailable. So, look, I'm delighted for uh, um, for Rory. He's a super guy and to have persevered and then uh, the commitment and the dedication not having got game time this past season to persevere with it has been admirable and he, he deserves his opportunity and I hope that it goes very, very well for him. He's a great shot stopper and, and, and a wonderful guy. How do you think tomorrow's clash will go for James Horan's men? Because it is looking like, I suppose, a repeat of the game that occurred against Sligo. But how difficult is it to keep players motivated and not allow any uh, complacency to creep into their play? I, I think that uh, these players, with the experience that they have, they're self-motivated, they're exemplars in, in that regard. You'd have to admire them, the way they have persevered. You know, and particularly those guys that have been on the squad and the panel for the last uh, decade or more. So I don't see that has been an issue. There are some super leaders on the team. Now, I know Killian obviously is a huge loss this year and Jeremy is obviously still out with that Hampton tear. But when you have the likes of Aidan O'Shea around the place and Colin Boyle still involved, nobody will be slacking off because they don't allow that. And that's, that's the beauty of the, having great leaders like that. But, um, you know, I saw the team that was picked. It won't be the team that will start. Uh, and, and certainly the one not I'd be lining out in the position they're picked then. Uh, but look, at the, 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 I, I anticipate that uh, the, the Mayo will be too strong for, for Leitrim. I think Leitrim have been struggling in the lower, lower division, so I think it's going to be very, very difficult for Leitrim, and I feel that uh, Mayo should win out comfortable winners. I was very impressed with them against Sligo. I know Sligo are very, very poor, and Sligo only won one game in, in Division 4 of the National League, um, but uh, I, I, I was actually alarmed at how poor um, the Sligo team played that day. They were very naive and very green, and they played an orthodox brand of football when they should have closed up shop, really. And, and minded their defence a little bit better but uh, 
I have to be say I was very, very impressed with Mayo. They were superb. And hopefully it will be more of the same tomorrow afternoon. In terms of the uh, line-out that has been named, it is kind of a youthful Mayo team now that we are looking at. Some of the names of the last decade are into their retirement currently. But it was very refreshing to see the likes of Darren McHale get his opportunity. And he seemed to clasp it with both hands against Ligo. Marshall, he was superb at playing at 11. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised to see how well he played. And uh, a man of the match performance and everything he did, he did well. He, uh, and took a goal and uh, it was a 1-6 he scored. But uh, that was a top-class performance. Now, he'll he, he realise that there will be tougher days ahead. And, uh, you know, if Mayor prevail tomorrow, which I expect they will... Uh, they're going to be meeting Galway now irrespective of how Galway and Mayo are going in the respective league campaigns or championship when they when they play and they meet one another it's not, it's always a 50-50 game and I just think with the likes of Jeremy uh, in doubt and the likes of uh, obviously um, Killian gone I mean you'd have to say that would tilt the balance in Galway's favour uh, should this arise and I don't want to sound too disrespectful to Leitrim tomorrow but um That'll be, a, that'll be a very, very tough encounter. And like the Darren McHale will realise uh, he won't get as easy as he did against Sligo and maybe against um, Leitrim tomorrow. But um, that's a big, big test to look forward to. And it makes no difference whether it's in McHale Park or, or Pierce Stadium. I think home advantage doesn't, it makes absolutely no difference when it comes to playing Galway. So that's, someone, that's one to, to uh, lick the lips in anticipation to look forward to. Can I ask your thoughts, John, on the Roscommon and Galway fixture? Galway won out in the end and we may indeed be taking our eye off Leitrim and maybe not to show disrespect to them, but it did give the lay of the land of the standard of football currently being deployed in the Connacht Championship. I, I, I actually was travelling um, um, through Roscommon while the game was being played. I was listening to it on radio. And uh, it, the, the weather uh, conditions were biblical. It was horrific rain. I thought the game might, uh, might have been called off. I think there was a a question about about the game being, uh, being pulled, uh, the conditions that bad. So what we witnessed was a very, very poor uh, team affair. It was, um, as I say, conditions dictated that. But uh, you'd have to be really disappointed. And I know Roscommon uh, boys are, because I spoke to quite a few uh, guys, uh, friends of mine from Roscommon, and they were they were really annoyed and frustrated with the performance uh, of the Roscommon team. They thought they were ultra-defensive, and uh, they had no variety to their game. They had no plan B. And they were really disappointed with the way they played. Now, the same thing could be said to a lesser extent for Galway. But they did enough to get by and probably were deserving winners. So, look, as I say, I, I never read a whole lot into um, games of that nature, particularly when they're played in poor conditions, because I do anticipate and expect it to be a ding-dong a ding -dong affair should the uh, kind of final pairing involve Mayo and, and Galway. Have you noticed... Uh during your tenure there with Offaly in terms of the amount of injuries it has been highlighted that the hard pitches that players have returned to has increased the injury load and put a lot of work onto physios across the country is that something maybe we should be fearing with the, many of the Mayo players already seeing Killian O'Connor out with the long term injury we, we were lucky enough here um, we were lucky enough here in, in, uh, in Offaly we didn't suffer any soft tissue injuries I mean, you look at Killian's injury, and the minute I saw it, because I was watching the game live, I did suspect uh, um, um, a tendon, an Achilles tendon. And actually, one of my own players here, my cornerback that I lost after the first game around the National League, Declan Hogan, whose mother's from Brafe, incidentally. Declan uh, um, did, uh, um, he, he didn't rupture his tendon, but uh, that had nothing to do with the, with, with the volume or the load. It was just uh, one of those unfortunate things. I think it would have gone, uh, they would have damaged it anyway. But... Uh, 
Yeah, look at the way players are looked after these days. There's a huge element of science with GPS tracking and the training load is more or less dictated as to a guy's level of fatigue and how they feel. And we monitor that exceptionally closely. So there's no uh, big hard training sessions like the, like the, the John Mohan was famous for years ago. Things have changed in that regard. There's a lot more science involved in now and uh, we've all t- tamed our, our approach a little bit, shall I say. No sand dunes in Offaly anyway. John, just in terms of the rules that we're seeing uh, being deployed throughout the GA this year and for the last year as well, you were speaking about the biblical water conditions there with the uh, rain pouring down through Roscommon. It does seem to be entirely bizarre then seeing players go off for a water break in those conditions. Is that a rule you'd like to see entirely scrapped? And are we chopping and changing the game too much from the higher echelons of the GA itself? I can understand that uh, we were so frightened in the early days of, of this COVID uh, pandemic with, and Co Park. In fairness, did everything what, in accordance with proper protocols and procedures and uh, they were very, very conscious of the, of the spreading of the virus. And as you know, the off hurlers had the virus similar to Sligo footballers last year. And it's the one big threat to any team. And like, I mean, may or experience in, uh, this week with uh, close contacts, etc. So... I know even I was just talking to Tom Maloney here, uh, um, John Maloney, our centre-half-back's dad here, who works here for the um, Mafia County Board, and we were just talking about that. It's, it's, it's not the threat of injury, it's the threat of COVID that could uh, stall a team in the Centre-County Championship. So that's something that every team has got to be very, very conscious of. But as regards to the water break, I think it's, it's totally unnecessary. It just breaks up the, the play, and uh, it's, it's a fra- I mean, the game is fragmented enough for substitutions and stoppages and one thing or another. So that's one that I'd love to see to, um, eliminators and uh, scrapped. Do you have to manage with that in mind as well with the water breaks considering the All-Ireland final last year totally swung the balance of play between Mayo and Dublin. Now as a manager do you have to really kind of plan your match tactics around the intervals that are put into the game now throughout it? Something we're very very conscious of Cueven we discussed it in advance and you're now working. You're, you're now talking about four segments. It's not just playing two halves of football. You're talking about playing four segments and getting to the first water break, maybe in tight with your opponents, and giving yourselves goals and targets uh, um, to the water break, whether it's in the 20th minute or the 15th minute. That's obviously decided and dictated by the referee. But um, no, it's, it's, as I say, it's something that I, I hope is eliminated. I think it's unnecessary. Uh, there's nothing wrong with running in with a bottle of water to a, to a player at, at any time. You spoke there of the science behind the. Uh, performance of these players at, at the elite level of inter-county GA. We were speaking before about uh, your friend's passing, John McDonnell, and how he used sports science from another Mayo man uh, from Hollymount. And it really does show that it has been within this county, at least, has produced two great men who have really shaped the sporting science aspect of uh, what athletes go towards in terms of getting peak performance. Yeah, there's no question about it. You're, you're, you're talking about two, two of uh, uh, Mayo's finest. Like, I mean, they were, they were just um, incredible, incredible uh, people and uh, the records speak for themselves. And uh, yeah, Tom Riley, I picked up the phone to him uh, when I, um, back in 96 or 7 when I noticed uh, our, some of our guys um, not really having the expertise and the knowledge and the know-how when it came to creating. And uh, I was concerned, and I rang Tom in Liverpool. I had become aware that he was a, a senior lecturer uh, up there and had worked with the British Olympic team. So he came over, did some work with us, and uh, we did some speed testing, that kind of stuff. And that was just very much at the embryonic stage when it came to the whole approach to science and uh, with teams. But now, I mean, it's gone to a different level, and it's a very, very costly uh, um, situation as well for county boards because 
these GPS uh, tracking systems are expensive, and you like you know the video analysis that takes place in games, and you can you know monitor the load that every player takes. Um, it, it's probably a good thing. It's very very professional, uh, but unfortunately for an amateur organisation, there's a lot of costs involved. Would you be concerned about that creeping into the club level? Because there seems to be larger and larger backroom teams that are apparent within clubs right across the country trying to get up to that standard. Yeah, there's no question about it. Uh, I just, I, I, I'm just blown away by the the costs associated with the, with the preparation of teams, and I had a, a little bit of experience of it with with Lahardon when I, when, I, when I managed them there for a couple of seasons. My brother was chairman, and sure, you know, with particularly with the the levies. The, the levies uh, from county boards uh, it was just nearly impossible for a club to survive so uh, it, was, it was really really difficult it was really really difficult for clubs to survive and as I say if they decide to professionalise the situation I don't know where the money is come from, coming from because you know the old lotto back in the day you know you have uh, um, some wonderful uh, club people going to call around to pubs so the pubs that, that's not on uh, that's gone so a lot of them have switched to online fundraising but it is extremely difficult and it's becoming very, very costly. So I would be a little bit concerned about it, but it's, look, at, it's, uh, there's an executive in every club. They dictate and decide what they want to spend. If they have it, let them spend it. But I'd hate to see money being wasted when they could be better uh, utilised, maybe with good coaching and good development and at underage in particular. Can I ask out of a matter of interest how much those GPS trackers do cost? Because Lee Keegan didn't seem to put much value on them when he was throwing it towards Dean Rock in the All-Ireland Final. <laughs> that's a, you know, yeah, that's a, that's a very funny remark. I do recall the frustration of Kevin and uh, or Lee at the time. Um, I was going to say Kevin Keegan, but I, I give him my age way there. But yeah, they're they're costly, and there are different varieties of of GPS. But you're, you're talking, I think, up to thirty thousand euro for um, a set of GPS um, system, and then you need someone to monitor it and track it, and so there's an ongoing cost in that as well. Thirty thousand euro, my goodness! Uh, yeah, that's that's a surprise to me. I just wasn't aware of the the price of those trackers, and of course, then what follows afterwards. It does it really make a huge difference in terms of the managerial side of things, John? That you're able to then know what players to take off and if they are going to go towards an injury. Well, you don't have live information, but you can, there are systems out there that will give you live information. Uh, but you know what we're looking for is. Um, yeah, yeah, the data is uploaded and I get a WhatsApp immediately after training and I get an email with all the information and data on the players and their speed and their distance covered and you can monitor and, and, and track the likes of that. But there's a variety of systems out there creeping that give you huge volumes of information and detail if you want to, if, 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 if you need that. But, you know, there are those that might be listening in there. So look, it's a, it's a simple game, John. We've over, we overcomplicated at times with all sorts of uh, gimmicks and, well, you know, there's lots of stuff that has has uh, uh, come into the into the game, you might feel, well, is it all necessary? I'm not quite sure. But look, at the bottom line is, we have, um, it's there to be utilised, and it's, uh, it is being used. Well, fantastic stuff, John. We won't keep you any longer. Many thanks for taking our call here on this Saturday Sports Show, and enjoy the remainder of the fixture there, the Offaly Miners against Dublin, uh, up in O'Connor Park. Unfortunately, not going too well. Uh, um, the scoreline, it was, I think, um, Offaly were only a point down, at halftime, it now reads Dublin 3-12, off his six points. Oh, that's not good news anyway. Uh, many thanks, John, and have a fantastic weekend. Talk, talk, take care, Craven. Bye-bye. Well, that was Offaly boss John Mohan there taking our call. We very appreciative of John uh, for taking the time out there, but I think if you're watching the dubs hammer your team there, it's uh, 
one you want to be distracted away from. Well, I'm delighted to say I'm joined in studio by CRCFM correspondent Stephen Grealis. Stephen, you were listening into John as uh, he was speaking there. €30,000 for a GPS tracker. I, I nearly had to pick up my jaw. Yeah, it's, it's flabbergasting when you think about it, really. You know, the amount of smaller, more rural clubs will say in Mayo, €30,000, but it would keep a, a club runner for a couple of years. Well, it might have once upon a time. These days, not as much, but it's a sizable amount of money, you know, and any club that has those resources, you know, at, at their disposal, they're going to have a significant advantage. I mean, you know, it, it takes a lot of money to run a club and it's become very businesslike in, in many senses nowadays. I know several clubs across the county and across the country have not perhaps GAA people at the at the top brass, but more so business people who know what it's like to do the day-to-day running of a company and it's creeping into our game more and more. And as John pointed out there, the, the costs involved, I think, not an ordinary Joe so would want to be making big decisions like that. You'd want to be someone with a with a history of something like that, and you know have experience in them sort of things because it, it it's crazy and it's it's actually unfathomable to think the way that our game has gone and how professional it is becoming in front of our very eyes. It's absolutely bizarre. I just certainly no GPS tracking system in Ballycroy or with Lahardon, that's for sure. Uh, but that's how the game is going because once one team that becomes successful lays a standard then everyone kind of has to catch up to that and they feel like they're they're missing out but 30,000 euro like that is a massive figure for any GA club or any, even an inter county team to go out with that and then the running costs involved tracking that you have to get some specialist in I'm sure and that really just adds to the whole thing as well you know speaking there about Tom Riley from Holly Mountain John was very fortunate that he was able to have that connection to a man who literally invented sports science from, from Hollymount. Absolutely fantastic story. And he has, I think it's still continuing, this 10 kilometre run that they do in Hollymount as well. And he was the one who gave the information and the science to John McDonnell, the gentleman over from Arda over in America. And his line was, work hard intelligently. Well, this is not really much intelligence. If you're splurging €30,000 when it could, as John po- points out, be better spent in coaching and underage aspect and making sure that there is uh, somebody there to coach, going to schools, making sure player retention is at an all-time high. Absolutely. And look at things like GPS tracking systems. They have their advantages, so they do certainly. You know, They will tell you the amount of ground that someone covers on, on a pitch on any given day. But if you're going out in a pitch, you know to leave it all out there. There should be, I personally don't think there should be need to know exactly how far you've travelled unless you're comparing yourself with your perhaps one wing back might compare with another wing back or a set of midfielders or something like that. But John pointed out perfectly that money could be so better invested. Like, you know, underage development, yeah, underage development coaches and things like that are probably more more useful for, for money like that. And we see that and more and more in recent times. Mayo have put more of an emphasis and fairness into underage underage coaching and underage development squads and different things and that is important too because you need to get we'll say younger players up to a up to a standard and keep them at that standard and again that comes from that comes from good coaches good training it, it doesn't come from wearing a wearing a sports bra with a GPS tracker in the back of it that's for sure it's just really beggar's belief but you know it, it's the professionalism that's coming into the game you know it's it's a real kind of elite standard and you look within I think it was the, the Throne players were the first players that I would have seen wearing them obviously Dublin would would have them as well and being as successful as the Dubs have been 
throughout the entire history of the GA, naturally teams are going to see what they're doing and copy them and follow along from what they're doing. And similarly, we were just speaking about this current Mayo team, Stephen, and how important it is for James Horn. Now he has all of the Mayo players in the county. They're remote working. You know, Stephen Cohen was speaking about it. Ryan Dunahoo was speaking about how he's using using the remote working hub in Belmullet town during lockdown and was able to do his college in Limerick from Belmullet. For rural clubs, for a rural county like Mayo, who have never had the ability to retain our people when it comes to their professional career, this is really kind of groundbreaking in terms of how you can keep them there because of that issue surrounding players travelling for training. That's entirely cut out now. Well, exactly. I mean, take into example the way things have been in recent times. Players might have to travel two, two and a half hours down the country every, say every week, twice a week. You're talking two and a half hours each way up and down twice a week. That's that's 10 hours a week travelling. That's time that could be better used. Not even better used, but if you're sitting in a car for any person or athlete for that specific amount of time, it's not going to do you any good. Look at Dublin, success they have. I think one of those things that must go into a, come into account when you're speaking about that is the fact that they don't have to commute for hours on end to get down for, for county training once or twice a week and it makes a big big difference as I said a lot of the, a lot of the players are based I don't think there'll be any player really in Mayo based out, outside of perhaps an hour maybe Ryan O'Donoghue being the exception coming from Bumala but an hour or so really would bring a, a player to Castlebar and it makes such a difference too because you're not travelling all the time you're, it, it, it doesn't bog, bog you down it doesn't become a bit of a, a chore almost making that journey you'll have a bit more positivity positivity in the camp and it'll make a difference and look at it's about time that over here on the West Coast we're able to do something like this and hopefully you know, we'll, we'll reap the rewards. I certainly think that'll be the case tomorrow against Leitrim and hopefully further on in the Championship. It is and it's very encouraging to see the faith that has been put into Ryan O'Donoghue, the Belmullet man, has been really tearing it up and speaking very highly of Killian O'Connor, how he has supported him in the aftermath of Killian's injury and Ryan O'Donoghue himself showing the confidence to say to James Horn, I want to take those frees, give it to me. Yeah, absolutely. I I had the pleasure myself of being part of a school team at Ryan back when in our ladies in Balmullet and when uh, when Ryan was in Leaving Sir, we went on to win an All Ireland Schools uh, D final and in fairness he, he was a leader. He stood up on that pitch all the time and you knew even from myself watching on the sideline, you knew he was he was destined for greatness. The the way he could just take a game and he was one of the players, he was the player that would just stand up and was counted for his it is truly incredible. He, he dug us out of so many holes that year and we've seen since that he is an actual, he is a leader within that team, even though he's only 22, 23 years of age. But he's proven that he's he's captain the Mayo under-20s to an All-Ireland final a couple of years ago. Michael Soling gave him gave him the powers that be to allow him to be captain of that team. And he took them on, won a Connacht title with them, came within a kick of the ball of beating Kildare in a final. And obviously we're seeing now without Killian O'Connor on the Mayo team, he has no issue taking taking them dead balls, and as I said against against Sligo, he was he was quite accurate with them. So there's no reason why he shouldn't be. He's got a nice confidence about himself without because without it becoming arrogant. And I think that's the most important thing. If you have if you have belief in your own ability without thinking too much about it, you're going to go far.